Hello, I'm Carly McDowell, and this is the Shared Road podcast, where we talk about lived experience and wisdom around shining the light on complex, toxic relationships, narcissistic abuse, coercive control, breaking cycles of family, generational trauma and dysfunction, and unraveling the binds to free ourselves from suffering. Today on the Shared Road, I speak with Fish, James Gill who is highly regarded for his compassionate and conscious communication approach. He is a heart coach, yoga teacher, and facilitator of transformation. And this conversation was beautiful in many ways. So I invite you to stay open and consider how Fisher's wisdom and depth may support relationships in your life where mutual resolution is desired. There may be content shared in this discussion that you could find triggering. So please listen in a space and time that feels comfortable for you. Welcome, Fish, to the Shared Road podcast. I'm truly honoured to have you as a guest today. It's really great to be here with you and thanks for the conversations that you're generating in the world, you know. We're all, we're all seeking support with what we're going through. It's, um, thank you. It's an interesting journey for myself, just navigating how to speak to this. And I'm certainly open to having discussions with a range of people along the way for my own learning and growth. So um, you are certainly someone whose work I have admired and I've followed you via Insta from afar for about a year now and um and as you're based in Perth I haven't had an opportunity to to meet you in person or attend one of your beautiful retreats as yet but um I am so honored to have you here and to have this discussion with you today yeah I'm excited I'm excited so the principles of yoga philosophy and compassion are at the heart of your work and and who you are and you really radiate that warmth and light and I wonder if you could share with our listeners a little more about yourself. Sure I guess I'm someone who whose life has just kind of shaped me into um, just a, a very curious I'm very curious about humanity and you know that's come through a bunch of enormous joys in my life but also enormous pain in my life um, particularly around relationships and relationship breakdowns and relationship upset. Um, And in my work as a facilitator over the last 15 years, I've become just increasingly fascinated by, by, um, you know, how do we generate connection between us and how does that connection sort of naturally become eroded, you know, in our day-to-day relating with each other. So... I've become just a bit of a conflict nerd, really. (laughs) And, you know, it's like discovering the, you know, how a website has a front end is, you know, it's what you see and Mm. interact with on the website. But there's a back end, which is all the coding that leads that relation, that, Mm -hmm. that website to show up in a certain way when you look at it. And I guess I've just become curious about the back end of conflict and relationship upset what's going on for me and for you such that we would find ourselves in opposition Um, and what I find you know the more I work with humans the more I find that actually underneath 
all the pain and all the disconnection and all the frustration and all the sorrow is a yearning for love, mm-hmm. to love well, to mm-hmm. love successfully and to be loved. And a lot of our relationship upsets relate directly to either feeling unloved in a moment or the frustration of feeling like our love is not being recognised. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, how many times have you done something caring towards someone or even just neutral towards someone and they, they have been upset by it? And how many times has someone dead or done or said something to you and left you feeling a little bit belittled or dismissed or unloved or uncared for or excluded? So I've just become fascinated with those moments. Mm. And led me into um, coaching others through these moments of relationship upset so they can become more connected again to themselves in these moments and to others and also coaching facilitators to lead this work in the world. Beautiful and I love your use of the word curiosity there. You said it a couple of times and I can really relate and for me, this podcast, even though it has a, a specific theme, I have a background in passion and love for the yogic way and really hope to have some awareness in each conversation and grow that awareness through the lens of that yogic way of living and that, that lens of compassion. And I speak to that in you know the bio of The Shared Road, etc., and a lot of that compassion is, yeah. I guess, driven by curiosity. Curiosity as to what the experience is for the other. And, and it, also not to the detriment of ourselves. Yeah. In fact, that's a key component. You've just really beautifully summarised my work is really just like tuning into the truth of my experience and the mm. truth of your experience in mm. this very moment and now this moment mm. and now this moment. And, and that's not what our attention naturally does. Our attention is naturally, naturally on our own experience and ignorant to their experience, mm. naturally. And so it's an expansion of awareness. This conscious communication practices ask, ask us to expand our awareness around our experience and their experience. And that's, that can have some <laughs> radically positive effects on relating because suddenly we both get to feel understood okay so today I have so many questions so today we are going to speak to the theme of how to hold mutually respectful boundaries and bring a compassionate understanding to the forefront of that we're going to discuss also the idea of what the pop psychology world speaks to when discussing what boundaries are and what relationship communication hurts and upsets can occur and how to offer people help around this. One of the questions that I had that I recapped on just before we jumped on was starting at the very beginning and someone said, for those that don't know, what are boundaries? And I wonder if you could share your answer on that. Yeah, sure. Um, so the first thing I want to just say is that my, the lens through which I view the world that I relate to as the truth, but I don't expect anyone else to, (laughs) um, is a lens of um, communication. 
So sometimes I'm called a relationship coach, but I'm not at all. I've got no idea how you should do your relationship. <laughs> you know, that's entirely <laughs> up to you. When you should try and when you should stop trying, that's all mm. up to you. Um, but I am fascinated with ways to communicate your needs in such a way as you deepen the relationship, emotional intimacy, and you create mutuality and safety. Some of the, I don't know, let's say advice um, out there in the world around boundaries is more what I would call barriers. Um, and I'd like to sort of leave the idea of barriers. But barriers really are just the walls that we might put up to keep out a source of threat. And, mm. and in doing that, we're not really caring what the impact on the other is. It's just like we've got to that point where we're just like, I'm just going to pull the wall up and I don't care how it lands for you. And that, that way of delivering, you know, here's the line for me, will naturally amplify opposition with them. Um, but let me come back to your initial <laughs> question, which, was, which is what is a boundary? So, you know, I was thinking the other day about my own personal boundaries with myself and one of them that I had a bit of a giggle at is, um, you know, I'm, I will shortly be turning 51 and I don't have the stamina for social life that I used to. So one of my own boundaries is that I won't, I won't agree to go to a gig that starts after 8.30 p.m. <laughs> I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, why? Because I know that even though I might enjoy aspects of a gig, if it starts after 8.30 p.m., it's likely to finish really late. And I know I'll get myself into this position where I actually feel a bit irritated, tired, a bit stuck in traffic, a bit like, you know, frustrated that there are so many people or that it's so loud and I just want my pillow. So, you know, in this way, a boundary really could... We could consider a boundary just to be ways to create favourable favorable conditions for ourselves. And by favourable, I just mean that which gives us a sense of ease or connection or safety or security or comfort. You know, to ways, ways to protect ourselves from the stresses that we don't want. That's what a boundary is for me, with me, right? When it comes to relationship boundaries, they really are... You know, how I like to talk about relationship boundaries in terms of communication, a boundary with another person is a mutually agreed upon way forward such that our way forward is better for us. <laughs> less stressful, less unsafe, less hurtful, less sad, less whatever. Um, and, I, and I think that, that aspect, from my perspective, that aspect of mutual benefit mutuality in boundaries is important compared to what a barrier is which is not mutual and I'll just use I'll use this analogy because it might help it might just confuse people but it might help so I, I used to study um, environmental science when I was at uni back in the day and uh, my favorite topic was around coastal erosion and so back in those days and i'm talking like you know early 80s it was still fairly common for coastal erosion to be treated by just building a wall to protect the sand dunes just a brick wall to protect the sand dunes 
But what people came to realise is that when we just built a wall, the energy of the waves would hit the wall and bounce back with the same energy and it would erode, would actually increase erosion because the waves were bouncing back off this impermeable surface. Mm -hmm. And then the erosion would make the wall crash over and so it would do no good. It would actually amplify erosion if you made something impermeable. So now best practice in coastal erosion is to make a permeable surface. So you'll see sloped walls full of rubble that actually, when the wave hits, the energy of the wave disperses. Some of the energy is kept out, but some of it is left in. And, and thereby there's a kind of a dispersal of energy. And so that's become sort of best practice in managing coastal erosion. Allow the energy of the wave to partly come in, but not the full force of it. And I think that analogy can help us distinguish between ways that we might say absolutely no to someone and just not really care about the impact of our no, versus skillful ways to communicate our needs in a way that leaves them feeling that there's value in a boundary for them. And I'm really to, happy to talk about how, how we might create mutual value. But I just like, I like this notion that for a boundary, for my boundary with you to stick, it needs to be respected mutually and held mutually by me and you. And for that to happen, there needs to be some value in it for you as well as the intrinsic value for me. Otherwise, I'll set a boundary with you and you will feel hurt or rejected or dismissed or made wrong or threatened or in the little bit of um, market research I did in my Instagram community <laughs> mm-hmm. as I sent you through. Mm-hmm. About 98% of people <laughs> responded with, you know, my question was, how has it been for you when others, people in your life, have drawn a boundary with you? And there was this very strong consensus around, I felt rejected, I felt mm. hurt, I felt shut down, I felt shut out, I felt blamed, I felt made wrong, mm. I felt shamed. So that's an important recognition because, you know, while we might say, well, that they shouldn't have felt that way, they do feel that way. Mm. And my work, my work very much is grounded not in how people should respond, but how we typically do respond, which is mm. back to that notion of humanness. So if I'm going to set a boundary with you in our relationship, I need to become aware that the boundary I'm going to set with you is likely to land as oppositional for you. And so if you've ever tried to set a boundary with someone, you might notice that there's a tendency for them to resist it or defy it or argue against it or become volatile or become hurt or withdrawn, none of which you're actually trying to create in their world. You're actually just wanting the conditions to change such that you feel more safe or more Mm. at ease. Mm. So this recognition that a boundary is unskillfully delivered will definitely land as oppositional, definitely. And so we need to get curious about how to, how to communicate a boundary in a way that it lands as mutually beneficial rather than me just telling you what's wrong with you about your behaviour. And you say unskillfully, and I think if it has 
been potentially delivered in an unskillful manner, it would be natural for the other to feel hurt, would you say, etc. those feelings that you mentioned. So in the event that uh, a boundary is delivered in a conscious, caring, compassionate manner, and it is still met with those reactions... I'm curious as to how you help coach people through that because I know of a couple of people that have sent me messages saying, you know, that is the challenge that they are having. Um, that, it. yeah. Well, let me, let me dive into what I mean by skillful <laughs> because, because that's going to help us realize that naturally we will deliver it unskillfully, even if we're a very aware person. Right. Interesting. Okay. I'll, this is I'll, getting I'll, juicy. Yeah, I'll define what I mean by unskillful. Okay. And then it might be like, oh, right. Okay. Well, no, I haven't been delivering it that way. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example that happened. You know, when I rang you on the phone the other day and did you hear at the end of the phone call, I was like, okay, mate. And this guy rode past me on a bike. Anyway. Oh, yes. Yep. Yep. It was, a real, it was a hilarious moment because I got off the phone and I just laughed because it was a moment of conflict that helps me illuminate skillful and unskillful. Oh. So I was crossing the train tracks in North Fremantle and there's a bike path that crosses and it goes through like a bit of a winding path. It's mm-hmm. a bit restricted, right? You've got to watch out for bikes and bikes have to watch out for pedestrians. And I was on the phone to you trying to get out of the wind. So I stopped in that particular section and backed right into a corner, very mindful of the fact that I didn't want to impede pedestrians or cyclists. Very mindful, right? (laughs) I put a lot of attention into getting out of people's way and getting out of the wind so I could hear our conversation. A guy rides past me and turns the corner in front of me and as he passes he goes, not a good place to stand, mate. And I'm left wanting to just punch him in the nose. You know, <laughs> yeah. Despite, despite the fact that I, you know, work in the realm of conscious communication, I still have, I still have analytical black and white thinking mind that immediately thinks. I, honestly, I thought to myself, what a dick. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Who says that when they ride past someone? So there's, my, there's the way that my mind goes into, like, my me versus him, right? Uh-huh. I just label him as a bit of a dick. And he's probably riding away thinking, God, what a, what a tool, that guy standing there. Like, how unaware. Like, you know, how, how you know. yeah. So that's kind of the way that our minds naturally go into me versus you. Uh-huh. So if we get a little more skillful at looking at what's actually happening for me and for him in that moment... Let's reach into his experience and my experience. So first of all, let's, in order to be able to think a little more clearly about our experience, let's look at what, I, what I'm suffering with, my pain, and what I'm yearning for, what I'm wanting in that moment, and let's do the same for him. So starting with my yearning, I was wanting to have a conversation with you. I was wanting to get out of the wind. I was wanting to be out of the way of pedestrians and cyclists. So it was my intention not to disrupt anyone. I just wanted a clear communication channel with you and to be out of people's way so I wasn't disturbing anyone. 
At the same time, if we reach into his world and recognize that there's an upset in him, that actually feels like, so I might have left him feeling as if he was worried about hitting me with his handlebars. He might have been frustrated that his way seemed to have been blocked. He might have been um, feeling frustrated um, that there was anyone in that Mm -hmm. kind of cycle because it impeded his progress. And he might have felt urgent to get somewhere, so he might have felt frustrated and impeded. So there's my yearning to not be in the way, and there's his pain feeling like I was in his way, the frustration of being impeded. And those two coexist. Mm -hmm. And I want to argue for my good intention. I want to say to him, what are you talking about, mate? Look, I actually tried to get out of the way, you idiot. Mm -hmm. And he wants to talk about his pain, which says... Don't like don't block the pathway. You know, it's just foolish of you to stand where you're standing. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is, I was yearning to be out of the way, and he felt impeded. Mm-hmm. When I look at my pain, I felt criticised by him. I felt like I was talked down to by him. I felt dismissed for my good intentions. The fact that I'd actually tried to be out of the way got got missed, so I felt unfairly accused. And it left me feeling actually hurt. Like it's a bit funny for me to admit that, but actually I really felt hurt by his words. Mm-hmm. So that's my pain. And if I reach over into his yearning, what was his beautiful tender heart actually yearning for? He wanted an unobstructed path to wherever he was going. He wanted to um, be away from the fear of hitting me with his handlebars. Uh, he wanted to feel cared for and thought of, all of which is very human. Mm. So he's yearning to to not crash into me and to not injure me and to have a clear path free of obstacles is coexistent with the pain that I'm in, which is feeling criticised and blamed and made wrong. Mm-hmm. Those two coexist. Yeah. So... Now we are skillfully tending to the truth of the matter, which is my experience, the experience that's alive in me and the experience that's alive in him. Is that making some sense? Absolutely. So usually I might communicate a boundary just from my experience, which is says, says here's what I'm looking for more of and this is the pain I'm not okay with. Mm-hmm. Naturally, because they're the only two things that are really in my awareness usually. Mm. But if I do that, I'm going to leave... If I express my pain towards someone, if I say, buddy, it's not okay for you to speak to me that way, I'm missing the fact that behind his behaviour is some beautiful yearning. Mm. Some valid yearning. Yeah. Because, and so if I just say, I'm not okay with you speaking to me that way, he's going to get defensive about the fact that he was yearning for good things free passage to not injure me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to not be obstructed, for other people to not feel obstructed. So in order for me to really skillfully express a boundary there, it involves me saying, I'm not okay with the way you went about speaking to me because it leaves me feeling upset. And I recognise that what you were actually hoping for is not my upset at all. You were actually wanting to um, be out of the risk of injuring me 
you are out, you're wanting to be out of the, the upset of feeling um, impeded. And suddenly I've started to create some value for him in his world where he gets recognised for the goodness in him. And so that, what that does is makes him a little more open and curious to the fact that I'm pointing to the behaviour, not him. Yeah, because our behaviour doesn't necessarily define who we are, right? Well, so it doesn't at all define who we are. <laughs> yeah. Because actually, <laughs> behaviour, everything we've ever done, everything you've ever done, everything I've ever done, everything anyone has ever done, arises from the conditions we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. So his words came out of the conditions he was experiencing. Mm-hmm some of which was the upset that was there for him with me, some of it was just the upset of the afternoon, perhaps, and, and some of it sprung from what he was hoping for more of. Mm-hmm. And then out of his mouth just fell this natural, habitual thing that he might say, he might say that to his kids, you know, when he gets frustrated. He might have, he might have had that said to him for years and years by his parents. So it's just this unconscious spitting out of the need. In a, very, in a very sort of um, oppositional and analytical way. And so even though so, language and the way we behave doesn't define who we are, it also doesn't condone um, a consistent, unconscious approach that might be hurtful to another. I'll give you a more personal example and then we can frame the questions around that Great. because otherwise I'm just talking about some guy I don't know. I don't know. A really interesting boundary that I had to address um, some time ago in the fairly recent past was that I I found out from someone, I found out actually from a client of mine that um, someone I I know and hold dear um, had been sharing very, very personal things that were very personal to me and between me and that person in, in our relating in the past. This person was sharing those very personal things with members of our community, some of whom I don't even know, right? So, and we might call that, we might label that as spreading rumours, spreading malicious rumours, right? That, that would kind of be a neat label for that. And my initial reaction was, how dare they? And, you know, what an insensitive such and such they are and how deceptive and how manipulative and how hurtful. So my mind just reaches for all those conclusions, my analysis of them. But that really just springs from the fact that I'm, I was left feeling, when I tuned into what was, my, what was the pain in that moment for me, I found that I was feeling betrayed, embarrassed, ashamed, and unsafe and hurt and sad and angry. (laughs) Mm. So it brought up a lot of really difficult emotions for me. And then, just because I'm aware that there are four truths in a situation, not just two, there's a yearning and pain in the other always, whether or not I'm curious about it, it exists for them. So I thought to myself, I wonder what that person might have been yearning for in taking that very unskillful action. I'm not condoning the action. It was really shitty and I never want it to happen again, right? Mm. So getting clear that I didn't want that behaviour because it left me feeling things I'm not going to tolerate in that relationship 
was the first point. The second point is getting, getting curious about, I wonder what they were yearning for. I wonder what they were really, what need they were trying to get met by taking that action. And by the way, at this point, that, that practice of reaching into the yearning of another who's hurt us can, to start with, feel like condoning their behaviour. But we're not. And I'm quite happy to keep reinforcing that. I'm not saying what they did was okay. In fact, it really wasn't okay. And it sprung from some yearning in them. Mm. So when I got curious, and I had to kind of sit down and reach for the tools that I teach other people, and I had to spend some time reflecting. And, you know, meanwhile, my system was in, mm. like I felt really stressed and anxious and upset and sad and angry. Triggered. But I started, yeah, mm. I started to get really curious. I wonder what that person was hoping for behind that behavior that I found so difficult. And then I started to realize, well, if I, was, if I was going out in our community and sharing very personal stories about them, it might be a quest to feel supported in my experience. And I thought, what did that person want to feel supported in? Well, probably about their upset. Probably about the upset that they still carry based on our previous relationship. Now, I'm not condoning the way they went about it, but it starts to make human sense. Like, it's very human for us to somehow, sometimes share our pain with another person and share a story about how valid that pain is. Meanwhile, you know, breaching someone's confidentiality. And I started to think, well, okay, maybe they wanted, maybe they wanted to feel deeply understood by people around them. What would that afford them? Well, that, then they wouldn't feel like they were at fault. Then they would have a sense of release from some of the, some of the um, guilt or upset maybe around the relationship. They would feel more connected and supported by people. They would feel like people really got them. And maybe even, maybe even knowing that it might eventually get back to me, Maybe they even wanted me to have a little bit of taste of their pain because if I tasted their pain, they would finally feel understood by me in their suffering. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, it, what started out as being a malicious intent, when I get curious, and this is just because I, I want to get curious, you don't have to, you can believe someone's got malicious intent if you want to, it's just that it won't lead to healing in the relationship, it won't lead to interrelating. I just got curious about, I wonder what was behind her behaviour, and what I discovered was the very human thing of wanting to feel supported, wanting to feel understood and wanting to feel connected. And so rather than going to this person, and saying, how freaking dare you? How dare you be so bloody manipulative and deceptive? Which is, you know, it's a valid approach. I'm not saying it's not valid. It springs from my awareness of my own experience and my absence of awareness of their experience. Rather than taking that approach, which would have been very volatile and just made things worse and made the relationship even more and wouldn't have got my needs met, actually, I went to them and said, hey, 
I've, I've just been made aware that you've been talking to other people in our community about X, Y, and Z. And it's left me feeling like incredibly hurt. And I know that hurting me was probably not your agenda. It was probably you finally trying to get understood about the enormous pain that our relationship caused you in the past. And I really honour your need to be understood. I love the fact that you're seeking support in our community such that you get some freedom from the burden of your pain. And I'm just not okay with the way you went about it because it created this upset for me. So, you know, and that, that was a, a conversation unto itself, you know, that we took some time and said, what's it, what's it been like for you carrying that pain? And am I right? Am I right? Is, are, you, are you carrying a whole lot of pain that you still feel like I really don't understand? And they were like, yes, 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 of course, of course, and look what you did and look what you said and look what I felt. So I spent some time actually going, yeah, it makes sense to me that you've got pain and I can see that you're yearning to be out of your pain and it starts to make sense of why you took the actions you did and I'm not okay with the actions that you took because they caused me pain. And then the conversation naturally then turned to how might how might we go forward here where you get to be understood about your pain and feel supported by your community and ultimately understood by me about the pain that my actions caused you? Mm. How can we do that in such a way as I don't feel so deceived and, and undermined? And, the, and they said eventually, you know, and this, this is over the process of a couple of days, mm. but it could last months, mm. you know, or years. They said to me, maybe I can just actually come and express my upset to you. And I said, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. That would be great. I'm not okay with having you share intimate things that belong to our story with people I don't know in my community. Mm. And I get why you would want to because your beautiful tender heart just wanted to feel like people understood your upset. Mm. And so can you hear the mutuality there? Absolutely. The mutual benefit for me is that I don't have to be in the face of behaviour that feels so deceptive. Mm -hmm. And the benefit for them is that they get their intentions, that very valid intentions, very human quest for the heart to feel understood about our pain. Mm. They get that recognised. And then in that holding of mutual benefit, which is I want less pain and you want your yearning fulfilled on, how might we go about it in a way that's a little better? Mm. And how was and that received in the end, Fish? Really beautifully. Yeah. And that person, you know, I'm not going to divulge their, um, their identity, but they're very, they're very important in my life. And moments like that in relation to them have meant that we, over time, our relationship has become healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier. And now when there's upset over in their world, they come to me and say, can I talk to you about the upset I'm experiencing? And I'm like, yes, please. I love this mm. because then we can clean it up. Mm. Beautiful. So the key step there is that it would have been very valid. And this was, consider this was an ex-partner. Mm. And in the realm of ex-partners, it's very valid to just look at that behavior and for me to just say, what a such and such. 
But if I'm if I'm really wanting to communicate a boundary about that behaviour is not okay. Option one is that I set an oppositional boundary that just says, how dare you do that thing? Or I'm not okay with you doing that thing. That's oppositional because there's no value over there for them. And option B is that I say, hey, I recognise what you're yearning for, but the way you go about it is creating upset for me. And I'm wondering if we can address how you go about it because I want you to feel fulfilled in your yearning as well. I want you to get what you're going for. Mm. I want you to have the feeling of you're not being blamed. I want you to have the feeling that your pain's being minimised or your pain's being understood. It's just I think we can find a way that you can go about that without creating this upset for me. I think that there's so much to... um to take from that and in so many areas of my life I you know I just thought ah I could you know it's just just gently sort of referring to different aspects of my life and where I could weave that through and you know I think there's so much to be said for it even outside of obviously intimate relationships um it really this way of taking a pause and considering the impact of our speech on others Um, has a ripple effect you know and it's really beautiful I um I I also had a part of me that was like there's people in my life that would not want to work with me on that that would not would not want to come to the party and have a mutual conversation I have that experience I've had that experience where where I have actually tenderly tried to communicate my my hurts and my upsets and been really vulnerable and shared how I'm feeling and perhaps even broken down in tears and I've not been met with someone willing to respect that to continue like the healing process of that relationship it's 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 actually not supported that um yeah how do we how do we move through that we will will all we will all have had those experiences right where we're met with unwillingness unwillingness yeah so the first thing is that I'm going to guess that you you maybe didn't communicate value for them so you didn't recognize either their pain or their yearning or maybe you did Mm. so that's something to consider first how am I in my boundary setting with someone if I really want to make it stick and if I really want it to be mutually held I need it to be mutually valued. So what's the value that I can weave into my communication for them? Mm -hmm. Part of the value is I could recognise the upset that they are in, that their behaviour sprung from, and get curious about that and make a space for them to be safe to express it to me. And part of how I create value for them is getting interested in what's the goodness in their heart? What's the yearning that they were trying to fulfil on by taking such an unskillful action? So those two things are are ways that we create, give them a sense that we are interested in their well-being Mm -hmm. and their experience rather than just demanding from our experience. Mm -hmm. And as I say, it doesn't come naturally. I mean, you know, the programs I run, I do one-to-one coaching over 20 weeks to practice that skill. Mm -hmm. So it feels a little sort of um, idealistic to start with. It makes sense. The second thing is I want to reach into, it's so important that we can start to 
get curious about what is unwillingness? What is unwillingness? Because if we don't get curious about that, we just reach a conclusion about them. Right? We go to them with our open heart and they shut us down or turn away or get disinterested or feel aggressive or hurt or want to share their pain. Some, some response that we don't want from them. We just want open-hearted care, right? <laughs> and then so their unwillingness arises and then we decide that they must be unwilling or unable or that, that we give them a, a label, we refer to some pop psychology term for them, they're gaslighting us or they're this or they're that. But what we miss is all behaviour arises from conditions. All behaviour. Everything I've ever done and not done has arisen from the conditions I'm experiencing. So if we take that approach, and it's an approach of deep curiosity and validity. I'm looking into the humanness of their unwillingness. What's behind being unwilling? Maybe feeling unsafe. Maybe feeling unready. Maybe feeling unrecognized. So, you know, I talk about it as if, um, are you a gardener, Carly? Do you grow? Mm, I'm not very good at it. Me neither. Let's <laughs> well, run with this analogy okay. because some people are. If I come up to just a patch of barren earth and I scatter my seeds, my beautiful curated seeds that I've paid a million bucks from, that are like from, you know, they stem back for hundreds of years and I've just put so much thought into the type of seeds and I just cast them on barren soil. Either I get angry at the soil for not germinating them or I recognise that I'm casting seeds on barren soil. And in relationship, we have, this, we have this notion that if I go to someone with whom I'm experiencing conflict, if I just go to them with an open heart, they should just meet me with openness. But consider the conditions of barrenness that exist between us. You know, if we're thinking about, and a lot of people might be listening from the point of view of boundaries with an ex, for example. If we're trying to co-parent with someone and there's a volatility in the relationship with them, it's going to be really difficult. And we're going to have to ask for our needs to be met in certain ways. And that's fraught. Consider how fertile is the soil between you for the seeds of your kindness and compassionate viewpoint to germinate. It's not reasonable, it's not realistic to just sow seeds in un unfertile soil and expect them to sprout. So how we fertilize that soil over time is we become quite masterful at recognizing the yearning and the pain in every other being in any moment. And this is why I speak so strongly about labeling because labeling is the opposite of doing that. <laughs> when I label you, I'm not interested in what you might have been yearning for underneath your behavior. And I'm not curious about what suffering your behavior might have arisen from. I've just decided my, my analysis of your behavior and I've just kind of held you in this place. So my curiosity towards your experience is shut down. 
And then I'm just curious of my experience and not curious about your experience. And that is exactly what escalates opposition in any relationship. If I'm just certain that my view is the whole view and I'm really not interested in what might have been happening for you because how dare you speak to me like that, I shut down the possibility for interrelationship. And, you know, it's okay if we want to shut down that possibility. It's okay if you want to just distance yourself from something that is causing you great physical or emotional harm. It's okay if you just want to shut the door and build that wall. That's just not a consciously communicated boundary. It's a barrier. Mm. It's not con- conducive it, to repair or harmony. It's not or... conducive. Mm. Because when you consider that, that variation, if I just say, if I just said to that person, I will absolutely not tolerate you telling stories about me in our community and if you continue to, then X, Y, Z will happen. They are just going to feel so like they've just been made wrong by me. And the problem with that is that their experience in that moment is valid. (laughs) It might not be what I want them to be experiencing. It might not be even what I can understand. But there's some experience in them that gave rise to that action. And I either dismiss it and create opposition or I get curious about it and start to fertilise the ground for mutual understanding. So so then getting back to your query, and it's such a poignant one because many of us will experience this when we try a more, a more conscious approach to boundary setting. If we're met with unwillingness, it's really them sharing some of their upset. I'm unwilling is their experience. And we either make them wrong for that and label them or just, well, we can say it would make sense to me under the circumstances that we've both experienced. It would make sense to me right now that you feel unwilling. And I might have made you wrong for that for for the last 20 years, but I'm not going to make you wrong for that anymore. I'm just going to understand that right now you don't feel willing. See how you've just created mutual value for them in that moment? Absolutely. Because their unwillingness is recognised. And unwillingness is a yearning for what, Carly? What's what's stone, if we call it, if we use one of those beautiful juicy labels, stonewalling, like when someone just shuts shuts me out, shuts me down, turns away, says, I don't want to talk about this, I don't want to engage with you. What's the what's the un, if that's an unskillful expression of some deeper yearning? What's the deeper yearning behind stonewalling? In the event of the person that is stonewalling, yeah, oh, what's the, I can what's I can absolutely yearning? share from that space because that used to be something that my nervous system would do um, when I felt really unsafe to express myself. It was I yeah. never knew the term back when I used to do it, but it was my thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, And I felt completely unsafe to express myself and that it would be met with um, an unsafe response. And so my nervous system would just automatically go into freeze, shut down and don't go there so that I don't inflame, further inflame the situation. But the byproduct of stonewalling is you inflame the situation. (laughs) Of course, that's your unintended impact. Yeah, that's that the wasn't, pain that yeah. someone experiences that you don't plan mm. on. 
And notice your stonewalling is not a malicious intent. It's a, it's a yearning for what? Um, safe, what safety for? and to be yeah. cared for. Yes. Mm. In shutting down, it affords me, a, it, it's an expression of my yearning for safety. I want to be a little more safe than I would feel having the conversation. I want to feel a little less blamed than I might be if we open this topic. Mm. I might I might want to be out of the overwhelm mm. that I might otherwise be feeling mm. if we're conti- to continue. So, you know, stonewalling is so often talked about as if it's a malicious mm. thing that there are stonewallers in the world. I'm not a stonewaller, but he's a stonewaller. But actually, stonewalling is an, an unskillful mm. expression of such a beautiful thing that the heart actually wants freedom and peace mm. and absence of overwhelm and safety and and also not and to not project or um cause yeah. like an outward burst of conflict so. of you know yeah. a fight so i was yeah. but invariably it would result result in a day or two of silence and conflict and blah 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 and then this repair and the cycle goes on so unwillingness Mm. is an unskillful commitment to peace Mm. actually Mm. a commitment to peace because if i can't do this well with you if i can't ensure that it's not going to go shit shaped for us i just don't want to do it at all that's the commitment to peace relative peace but it's unskillful because it doesn't shutting someone out never creates resolution no so i think the steps before this when you recognize that this is perhaps a a trait of of those that may be listening that can maybe relate um also just to like have gentle compassion for that aspect of self because that doesn't make you a bad person that's just part of your conditioning but but before that i think that what i never learned to do in and part of how I ended up doing that as a byproduct of um, trying to conflict resolve, but it it was the opposite, was that I never learned boundaries. And so it led me to a point where I couldn't confidently, consciously speak to boundaries yeah. that were being crossed because I didn't understand the concept. Coming right back yeah. to the beginning of our conversation of, what they are and why but I I had never learnt them I'd never learnt them within family and so I didn't know how to communicate consciously my needs and so I just worked on an automated response which was to shut down rather than consciously communicate and so it's I guess it's learning to to set boundaries and this is why we do it so we don't get to those places that that cause harm for other um, yeah, that we never want. No. And if we look at if we look at how to if we look at that example, right, where you're yearning for safety, and unconsciously you kind of just shut down, a more conscious approach because that's a boundary for you to hold as well. Your boundary is the need for space, right? Mm-hmm. So how to communicate that more skillfully would be to create mutual value. I'm needing to take a break right now because I'm needing to come out of overwhelm and find some safety. Mm. Otherwise, things are going to go shit-shaped for us. And here's the mutual value for them. And I recognize that in me pulling away for a while, it may well leave you feeling shut out or dismissed or frustrated or hurt or abandoned. 
So that here's the boundary conversation. How could I go about finding some space and get out of overwhelm right now in a way that doesn't leave you feeling so abandoned mm. or shut down? Mm. Now we're in a conversation about where the boundary is that we will both mutually hold. Yeah, and it's... Is that absolutely. Mutuality. Absolutely. Mutuality. However... Can I give you an example of a client of mine who had a big win the other day? Yes, please. We could time that. Yeah. So, so just generally, she she was dealing with someone in her life who very who's very close to her, but also very difficult and has been for years. And this is a person that this my client has, and she's a therapist. My client had um, come to the conclusion over many years that this person was a such and such. Gave a a diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not questioning that. That's not my realm. I'm not questioning that diagnosis. My client had always believed that a boundary setting with this person was impossible because she had a hundred thousand examples to choose from and none of them had worked. Mm -hmm. And she was sitting at home and she received a whole bunch of messages from this person and they were sharing stuff that were really, that, that stories on the news that this person was really troubled by. And my client was just like, I hate, I hate when this person does this. They step over my boundary. They share all this stuff with me. It leaves me feeling really anxious and not cared for and overwhelmed and not respected. But instead of her normal response, which is, I need you to stop doing X, Y, Z, my client was able to say, hey, I recognize that sharing that stuff with me is a yearning for our connection. And I love that in you. And the stuff that you're sharing with me leaves me feeling really overwhelmed and anxious. So how can we create more connection between us without this sense of overwhelm that I'm getting? And to her surprise, she was so excited when she told mm. me, she was like, I set up a boundary with this person for the first time ever successfully, mm. and I didn't think it was possible. The response she got back was, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize it would leave you feeling overwhelmed, and I'll stop sharing those things. Great. There's a mutually held boundary. Mm. What was the key? The key was my client recognized that this person's intention, what they were yearning for behind the things that they were doing that was so upsetting, was goodness. There was some goodness mm. there or some validity there. Yeah. Sometimes goodness is a bit of a stretch. It's like yearning maybe for they connection just or just a new, yeah, yeah. validation. So or they something. just want. They actually wanted to feel understood mm. in their own anxiety about what they were sharing. Yeah. Once we get curious, what we find in the heart of another is actually amazing. Like everyone I work with goes, when you can reach into the heart of another, even behind the hurtful things they've done, which we're still saying no to, Yeah. what you find in their heart is so human. Of course. It's so like, oh my God, I know that. I know that. Yeah. And then she felt into the suffering and and she said, I imagine that me asking you to stop sending these things might leave you also feeling upset or shut out or as if I'm disapproving or blaming. Mm. So she tended that in that direction as well. Mm. And this person was like, no, no, it's fine. I really understand. Mm. So there's mutuality. And there's mutuality that she was able to create for the first time ever in this very significant and difficult relationship in her life by getting curious mm. about the four mm. truths, my yearning, their pain, their yearning, my pain. Get curious about the four truths. 
because until we get recognized the four truths, we are actually in this perverted reality where our truth is the whole truth. And that's a bit confronting, isn't it? But that's back to yogic philosophy. Yogic philosophy shows us that du- the duality of the mind, me versus you, is not, it's not the truth. Mm. It's not the truth of who we are. Absolutely not. And it relates to, it relates to the yogic term avidya, which is this active state of ignorance that we're in all the time because we've only got our experience to draw from. Mm. What we're missing, the data we're always missing in any relationship in this moment is what's their experience? Mm. What experiences are life in them such that their behavior is arising? Mm. What conditions are happening for them? And to start with, that feels like really like we're transgressing our own boundaries, but we can hold a very firm boundary Mm. with that and be very compassionate. I'm absolutely not okay with you sharing those very personal stories Mm. and I really love that your heart is yearning to feel supported in your pain Mm. and I'm right here with you. Mm -hmm. How might we create that in a different way so that I don't have to feel Mm. deceived and manipulated and sad and angry? It's, yeah, it's beautiful and... There's a lot to consider and I think it comes back to also tending to our nervous systems because, you know, as we just, just to go rewind slightly before you went into that story, we talked about how differently we could communicate our needs as opposed to stonewalling, which would be to have a conscious conversation However, if we are in a state of fight or flight or constant state of stress, they, it is virtually impossible. And, and people also very yes. much normalize that state of being. It is almost yes. impossible to stop and even have the experience that gives you some break before you react and, yes. and yes or give you the space to consider how you could do it differently. It actually automatically happens. It's actually so confronting. It's like a takeover when you go into shutdown. So how do people tend to themselves in order to start to make that change to be able to consciously communicate? So what I teach, you know, and there's, there's a bunch of ways and in the communication realm, Right. If we if we look at what can I do in terms of my communication to create, to to bring myself out of that stress response, out of reactivity. What I teach people is to tune into what's the upset that's alive in you. What am I feeling? And I can't I can't teach people to reach for that. I can just people teach people what to do when they do reach for that. So you know, there's a point at which we recognize that the pain that's alive in our relationships has something to do with us. (laughs) It's got something to do with how we're reacting to our circumstance that that all this upset is being created. Until that point, we just think the world is cruel and poor us. But when we start to get a little responsible and say, okay, I've got something to do with the conditions I'm creating in all my relationships, a great place to start when we're in the midst of relationship upset is to take a, take a moment out and to say, okay, what am I feeling? 
I'm feeling, I'm feeling really hurt and really sad and really angry. And to be able to bring, start to bring my loving awareness to what I'm feeling. And my practice is to say, fish, of course you're upset right now. I actually say that out loud to myself. I, I was frustrated at the traffic light the other day and I said, it's okay to be frustrated. See how I'm just bringing my own loving awareness to my experience. And that will start to soothe me. If I spend a few minutes just saying, I can see how angry you are, I can see how sad you are, fish, I start to actually just go, ah, it's like I'm being the parent to me. So that's the critical part because until I can start to do that, I will be stuck in my analysis, I'll be believing my thoughts, which will sound something like, what a vindictive asshole that person is. <laughs> and, and being stuck in my analysis about them is, is not as nearly as productive as actually attending to my upset. And the other val valuable thing about recognizing the upset that's alive in me is that once I recognize it as a set of emotions, I can start to communicate that set of emotions instead of communicating my analysis of them. So if I went to that person about the rumors and said, I can't believe you're such a malicious, vindictive bitch, <laughs> that would have gone a certain direction. <laughs> Whereas if I come to them and say, hey, I just want to speak to you about some hurt and some anger that I'm sitting with. Mm. Can you hear how non-oppositional that is in comparison? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, there was something else I was going to share that's kind of slipped my mind at the moment. Mm. That's what, okay. was, what was the question that you asked? I forget the question too. Um, I think it was, <laughs> yeah, cause you just go off into like, yeah, how can I apply that in my world? Um, so yeah. the question was, how do we take that moment when we're in a state and height to, um, to start to make change because it's yeah. so automated. And I think you're just basically yeah. saying we need to start bringing gentle awareness and compassionate awareness to what we're experiencing. And catch and start, I, I suppose it's also noticing patterns and themes of our own behavior throughout life relationship. Because if this thing that you're doing in this relationship conflict has been potentially shared with you elsewhere before in other situations with other people, perhaps that needs some gentle looking at as to what part do I have? in this and so it's and then it's being open to to change being open to to wanting to change the willingness and then that gentle tending to our own needs and yeah we have to recognize our own needs mm. our own upset we have to start by recognizing our own upset mm. And then another aspect that's going to start to soothe us is that question, I wonder what they were hoping for behind the hurtful things that they did. Right. Why that's going to start to soothe us, to start with that feels a bit like a question I don't want to answer because I'd much rather just think that they were a such and such. Stuck in right? our own story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's the courage to actually relinquish our certainty about them in, in, in favour of curiosity. But once we get curious about, I wonder what their tender heart, and I use that phrase because it always softens me into their experience. Mm. 
I wonder what their tender heart might have been yearning for. And here's three questions that are really key to dissolving malicious intent. Three questions. Mm -hmm. What pain were they wanting to express? What pain were they wanting to get out of? And what pain were they hoping that I could taste <laughs> such that they could feel understood in it? Mm -hmm. Those three questions lead us into a depth of curiosity that's very uncommon for us in the face of hurtful behavior. Mm. But I promise you, if you look there, what you will find will soothe you because you'll recognize that what they did is actually not aimed at hurting you and then the whole situation becomes less personal. Mm. What they did did hurt you and they were yearning for something distinct from the hurt that I feel and both of those coexist. I'm not asking you ever to dismiss your pain in favor of their yearning. I'm asking you to hold them as coexistent and the mind finds that a bit of a challenge mm. it takes practice practice, practice yeah. like anything yeah so just kind of a, a practical example a couple came to work with me and when they first sat down face to face with me I said you know help me understand what's been going on and they described a dynamic where he gets frustrated and starts to yell. She feels unsafe and retreats down the hallway. He follows her. She locks the door. He's banging on the door. She's feeling terrified. He's in tears. She's in tears, right? Mm. And in the outside world, we could label that as verbal or even physical abuse or intimidation, right? Easy, easy to label it that way. Mm -hmm. But labeling it that way wasn't getting them anywhere. <laughs> they actually wanted to make the relationship work. So they came to me and we got curious about what's he yearning for, what's he suffering with, what's she yearning for and what's she suffering with. So where they came to, and I'll sort of fast forward because it took us a while, he was in his chasing her down the hallway yelling. He was yearning to be understood by her. It was a very unskillful way of going about it because it actually closed her down mm to understanding him instead of opened her up. Mm. So she was able to say to him, this is a boundary conversation, she was able to say, the way that you'd so desperately go about needing to be understood by me and expressing your upset and frustration when you are misunderstood by me, the way you go about that leaves me feeling terrified and I'm not going to continue that dynamic with you. So how can we create the conditions for you to get to be understood by me and me to feel safe in your presence and for that that couple that was a liberating conversation because he got to feel recognized mm -hmm. for his for how important it is for him to feel understood by his woman particularly about the goodness in his heart mm -hmm. and instead of being labeled as some abusive person and she got to feel validated because she got to recognize that she deserves safety and openness and to feel supported by her man rather than threatened. How we go about it was the topic of that I left them with. I was mm -hmm. like, you guys go and find ways. Mm -hmm. How do we create conditions that have him understood and you feel safe? Can you hear how different that is than just saying he's one of those abusive men and she's the victim of abuse? 
I'm not condoning the behaviour. It was yeah. like they were, they were, she was terrified yeah. and he was heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah, but they found something a little more true than um, labels. Yeah. yeah, and certainly, yeah, not further damage or inflammation of a, you know, of a very, what could end up being a very volatile situation when people... Yeah. Feel I mean, he didn't. He didn't want that volatility, mm. and she didn't want that volatility. He appeared to want the volatility because he was doing the volatile things, <laughs> but actually he was desperate to be understood. Yeah, and then and then where she got to was she realised that she was where he got to was he realised she was yearning for safety in her retreat, mm. in her shutting down, in her mm. quote unquote stonewalling, and it left him feeling completely dismissed and belittled. And so he said, I'm not okay with the ways that you go about yearning for safety, but I love that you want safety. Mm. It's just the way you go about it leaves me feeling distrusted, belittled and made wrong. And I won't tolerate that. So let's find ways where you can get to feel safe in a way that doesn't belittle me. Amazing. What a place yeah. to start. And have you, yeah. have you had... Um, just one conversation with them that's had that kind of impact for them to go away and and start to assess how they can do things differently to support each other? They, they got to that point over a few sessions where mm-hmm. they actually were able to sit because that's a difficult place to sit. It's a difficult place to sit to honour all four truths. Yeah. Because we tend, the mind naturally tends to just retreat into our experience and dismiss mm-hmm. theirs, mm-hmm. particularly when we're feeling hurt or upset mm. or unsafe mm. so we had to practice sitting in the, the validity of all four of those truths and then when they could both do that they both like naturally just leant in and put our arms around each other and reached out and held each other's hands and there were some tears and they were like let's find ways Beautiful. let's find ways and that has to be supported by action right because it's one thing to yeah, understand those concepts and and speak to that and it be very real in the moment, but then not back it up with change. So it's a real deep yeah. commitment to one another to, yeah. to move and if that, that through. If that conversation over time comes to the conclusion that we haven't been able to find ways to fulfil on your yearning without creating pain for me, mm-hmm. then that's, that's the point at which we might reconsider how close or far away we need to be from each other. Mm. Yeah. So ultimately the question, at what distance can I stay compassionate? Can I be right up close to you and be open-hearted with you because I feel so safe or do I have to be right back from you Mm -hmm. in order to feel safe and open? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those are still standing in radical compassion for one another aside from time i actually think that's an amazing place to to wrap up i i really feel validated myself in that last conversation so i really appreciate you sharing that story i think a lot of people would um you know relate and and feel supported in that so thank you so your artful conscious communication approach towards moving in a harmonious and healing um, journey for oneself and and with other um, is so supportive fish and I think it's such a standout what you're doing in this space and there's certainly a lot of regurgitation over 
the pop psychology terms and um, I, you know, am probably one of those that I don't like to get into the business of um, diagnosis or naming and shaming and I always like to consider looking through the lens of compassion but I can also, um, you know, find myself sometimes using those terms and so it's this conversation has really, um, you know, been a deep insight and yeah attending to my own my own awareness around language and um and healing so really very grateful and mm-hmm. so really thank you That's, for your time today thank you it's natural that we might label because it's a just an unskillful expression of the pain that we've been enduring mm. it's just not it's just not ever quite the truth of them that they are such and such. It's, mm. They are more complex, more nuanced than, than a label. Mm. They always are. We always are. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And where can people find you, Fish? Where, what are your upcoming retreats, offerings and handles and website? You can find me on Instagram at james underscore fish underscore gill, G-I-L-L. Um, you can find me on the web at leadbyheart.com. I've got um, a retreat coming up in Bali. It's going to be the last retreat maybe for a few years, I think. I'm tending, tending to other things after that. Um, on the 24th of May in Bali, you'll be learning the skills of conscious communication to mend any relationship upset. And I'm starting a group coaching program. The next intake is for a program starting on the 9th of May and there are some spots available still. Um, and... Yes, mainly working in groups. And I will also be tending, bringing my awareness to writing a book this year, which mm, is exciting. That is very exciting. Wow. Sharing lots of stories and, stories and tools Wonderful. combined. Wonderful. So thank you for having me on. And my absolute for, pleasure. Thank you for your commitment to kind of going deeper into people's experience and mm. validate people's experience without having to invalidate mm-hmm. the experience of the other. Mm-hmm powerful powerful work thank you fish thank you so much for listening to the shared road my intention for this is to become a place of support community and hope through the shared stories from my brave and open-hearted guests if you'd like further information regarding personalized support and mentoring to navigate these varied and complex experiences please go to at meditation base or meditationbase.com.au Please share, follow and leave a review so that I can continue to reach as many people in need as possible. Thank you again.